You know, Brittany, nothing gives me naked confidence like hitting the gym first thing in the morning. The rush, the endorphins, it just sets the tone for the entire day. Ooh, I like that. Naked confidence. Yeah. It's all about the perfect playlist for me. The right music can uplift my mood instantly. Mm, you know what a close second is for me? What's that? Not stinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I use Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. It's like a secret weapon against odor powered by mandelic acid. Yeah, you're odor-free for up to 72 hours. I love how Lumi tackles every odor concern with natural ingredients, and I appreciate its versatility. I've tried it everywhere, from pits to feet. It never disappoints. Plus, it's baking soda-free and pH-balanced for safe use. And the fact that it's clinically proven to block odor all day, well, that's a game changer. Definitely. And with Lumi Starter Pack, new customers can get $5 off with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. It's a great deal for a fresh start. Don't miss out on feeling confident everywhere you go. Visit lumideodorant.com and use code TLC for a special discount. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Cheers to confidence with Lumi. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Laughing Couple Podcast with your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Join them weekly as they discuss topics such as relationships, kids, sex, parenting, all unfiltered, and all with a healthy dose of laughter. Please welcome your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Hey, Tracy. Thank you so much hey. for like shifting everything around 45 times to come sit down with us. <laughs> We, it's been so long. Like, I feel like we, we, we tried to get together at like the beginning of January, right? I think we actually yeah. tried to get together yeah. at the end of December because we were uh, forecasting that you would be the second episode of January mm. based off of some of the conversations that we were having. We thought, oh, it'd be perfect for like a New Year's resolution kind of conversation. Uh, and uh, that didn't happen. By the time this is, ed- is being aired, it's going to be February. <laughs> it's fine. Which is great. Everything's fine. But Tracy... Welcome to the Laughing Couple podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I can't wait to do some laughing. Oh my God. That's so much pressure. What happens if we're not funny well, in this episode? I, uh, probably I'm I know. Probably Isn't that always? God, it yeah. is. We, do, we uh, actually, okay, I will, I'll get into that after. So you know that we do this segment called I Love You and You're Annoying. You are married. What's your husband's name? David. David, what is something that David has done in the last couple weeks, or maybe just he does all the time that you were like, cool beans, David, uh, this is really annoying. Yeah. So <laughs> I have one of those brains that when people chew, it drives me up a fucking tree yeah, and yeah, my yeah, husband yeah. can chew where he's in the dining room. I could be sitting in the living room and I can hear him chewing and he that- chews with his mouth shut. So oh, yeah. What? Uh, that's called something. There's a yeah. yeah. We we interviewed yeah. Caitlin Bristow and um and she has the same exact yeah. thing and I have it as well. And my wife is, I love her. My wife is known 
for loud chewing. It's not true. Whenever she has chips or crackers or what do you, what do you call those little sticks? Lot. Veggie sticks. Veggie sticks. Crunchy. I'm like, uh. Brittany, I'm in the other room. Are you trying to get my attention? <laughs> no, why? I'm like, because I can hear you. So what do you like? What is he when you're like, David, like, can you go eat some soup or something? Like, what is what is his response? Does he immediately know that he's being super loud or he does not care anymore? Oh my God. Okay. So, you know, we've been together five years and, um, in the beginning I didn't notice it for some reason, which was kind of weird. Like all of a sudden I noticed one day he was a super loud chewer. And then I had to explain to him how my brain works, you know, and that there's certain sounds that make me nuts. I'm also one of those ASMR people. Like I, Mm. I, not the whispering can't stand the whispering. I will. I want to strangle people when there's whispering, but the whole like all those different noises so I was trying to explain it like in that way like look honey I have a weird brain um and he was kind of hurt a little bit at first and because he was trying so hard to chew quieter yeah but he couldn't chew quieter and so I'm like okay you know how they say there's things you have to accept you just gotta go okay the dude has to eat right (laughs) yeah he does I'll allow it drinking your food is not uh recommended by uh, by the scientists of the world. He's only allowed to have smoothies actually now in their relationship. No, those would be loud too, by the way. So no. Oh, is he, he's a slurper because you, oh. Brittany, you suggested soup and I thought, oh, if he's a loud chewer, he's well, probably a really loud slurper. That's a yeah. no-go. I will yeah. take loud chewing over loud slurping all day, every day. <laughs> it's, it reminds me of Billy, oh Billy Madison, like yeah. that one. Look at, you're already giving oh. her... Oh, yeah, sorry. We just did that well, to you. I got to I got to mention one other thing too. So, I think it was my birthday. There's a the word everybody hates is moist. Oh. And it was on he did it on but he did it to be funny. Like my moist birthday card. It oh. literally had that on there. So, I'm like there are other people that don't like that word. So and I'm like don't say that out loud though. Like uh, don't. I can read it, but I want to hear it. Right. You know. It, so what anyway. Is it about that word? You know, so many people. sounds there. There is a, you know, me, I'm not really good with, uh, you know, language. Um, <laughs> there's a word, there's a word that you use, which it's a word that describes a word that sounds the way that it describes, that yeah, it yeah. sounds. And that's, wow. that's moist. Okay? Like the word moist, you can't hear the word moist without thinking and feeling oh, moist. Yes. I, I totally get it. Yeah. There's a word for it. I promise. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's move on. Back to the podcast. Let's move on to some relationship (laughs) gold. Okay, Tracy, we're reading some of the stuff that you uh, talk about. You have your own podcast as well, right? And we'll get into that after. Uh But I was reading and you, you were talking about insecure attachment. So... Can you just elaborate on what that means, like in within a relationship? And for all of those just listening on audio, there's a big gigantic uh, uh, book behind <laughs> yes. Tracy that says "Overcoming Insecure Attachment." She knows a lot. So, and it's got her name at the bottom. I so I, I don't think she just likes she the, wrote the language. So. She wrote it. What? So what does that mean? What? So what does it mean? So insecure attachment is something that happens in childhood, and that's when we develop all of our beliefs our patterns, how we see the world, our perception, all of that. And whether people think that's true or not, it is true because all of that happens on an unconscious level. You're not consciously aware you're making a belief. You're not consciously aware of what's happening on a lot, you know, on a lot of scales because you're just trying to learn about yourself and the world. So attachment, um, you know, secure attachment is you have a caregiver who's giving you emotional intimacy. They're giving you emotional availability. You know, they're answering your needs. They are consistent. They are 
open. You know, a lot of us had like good homes, but we didn't have that parent who could be emotionally available to us and also allow us to accept ourselves. So all of this kind of comes up when it comes to insecure attachment, because insecure attachment is, you know, your caregiver was not, let's say, um, consistent, you know, like they could be hot and cold or one day something's right. The next day it's wrong. Um, they don't give love easily. You might've felt like you had to perform for it. Like all of these things are signs of insecure attachment because it was based on a theory about how human beings attach or don't attach. And so we bring that through to adulthood. That's like the quickest way, but I can elaborate more if you'd like. Mm -hmm. No, I, I find that very interesting. So it really, like you said, it forms when you are a child, whether you are aware, well, you're not aware it's innate, but how does that translate to like when you're in a relationship, like, are you able to kind of self not diagnose, but kind of recognize that this is happening because of a past trauma or not even trauma, but just how you were raised. Yeah. Like how do you get, how do you do the work? Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the difficult things for most people. And I, I say this because my marketing person sent me a TikTok video of somebody saying how to date an anxiously attached person. And it just irritated the crap out of me because, because it's really about, oh, let me control someone else. Let me do for them, but I'm not going to look at myself. So one mm. of the keys is, well, there's two keys. One is, you know, when you realize that you have anxiety in a relationship, whether you feel like you can't let go of the person and you feel stuck and, you know, they treat you poorly or at least not how you want to be treated and you stay, you're anxiously attached. If you're somebody who you feel anxious when you start to get close to somebody and you need to pull back. And then maybe, you know, a little time goes by and you're like, okay, I can handle it. So then you're somebody who is avoidant. Mm -hmm. You will not want to get emotionally involved to the degree that you have feelings, literally, because you start to feel responsible for the other person and you're afraid you're going to disappoint them. And on top of it, the avoidant is always looking for the perfect person. So that would be ways to recognize yourself and things that you would have to do. I mean, the whole book is a how-to. Like right. I wanted to write something that wasn't just like, oh, here's your self-help, read it, find yourself. Oh, look, that's me. And not be able to do anything. I wanted it where, hey, these are steps in here that you literally can take action on and change your life. Mm -hmm. Because for most people that are attached, there's a lot of fear of breaking those patterns, even if they feel like crap all the time. Now you used... um you use the word ang like anxious, like anxiety around the attachment, but the actual word is insecurity. Like there's, is the, is anxiousness and insecurity kind of layered on top of each other? Like is, I, I just trying to understand that better. So the insecure attachment. Right. So anxiety is produced by the attachment. Okay. So anxiety is a reaction to some circumstance that you're perceiving as threatening. So if you're anxiously attached, the insecure attachment part is this person is going to abandon me or might abandon me. And if they leave me, I'm going to die. That's mm -hmm. the feeling that they have and whatever degree it is, you know, whether they're really going to die or not. I mean, normally people aren't going to, but it's a feeling of total devastation. And so that insecurity is based on, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not enough in some way for people that are usually anxiously attached and that person that they're attached to in their mind is some kind of a symbol 
that they're going to be okay. Like they're looking for somebody who's going to make them okay. Mm -hmm. And whether that person, that person doesn't have that power, but there's something inside of that person that's anxiously attached that believes that. Does that make now, sense? Yeah, absolutely. Now, if this, it, it, so understanding, um, kind of what you're saying there, or at least let me know if I'm, if I am understanding what you're saying, this attachment, this insecurity starts at a very young age. Do we seek it out in others? Like how our parents made us feel? Is that something that we're actively pursuing when we're looking for a partner? Or is that something that we like just Maybe not kind of stumble upon? Because I, I find that people who have this uh, insecure attachment go from relationship to relationship, relationship, and the partner tends to always kind of play that same role. Is that something that we're like looking for? Shout out to Claritin for providing samples and sponsoring this episode. Full disclosure, I was listening to you talk the other day and I was thinking to myself, why does he sound that way? And then I remembered that it's allergy season and that's just your voice because you're so stuffed up. Ah, uh, yes, the old allergy congested accent. Luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes. Oh, perfect. So I won't have to listen to you speak like this for the next few weeks. What? You're not into it? It's not uh, not endearing? No comment. Designed for serious allergy sufferers like Ryan. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. Claritin D tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. So convenient. Just ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. And remember, only use as directed. Hey, Ryan. Yes? You stink. Um, okay. I stink too, don't worry. Everyone actually stinks, and it's normal to have body odor, just in case you needed a reminder. Okay, thank you for that. But the best part is, you don't have to stink. <laughs> just try Lumi whole body deodorant. You're right. And Lumi's powered by mandelic acid, tackling odor for 72 hours from pits to feet, even private areas. It's incredible. Over 300,000 five-star reviews, and you can literally use it everywhere. And the scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or my personal favorite, toasted coconut, make it refreshing. Plus, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's over 40% off. Stay confident from head to toe with Lumi. Try it with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. That's code TLC at L-U-M-E-D-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Stay fresh, everyone. Guys, have you tried the new wellness shots from Good Vibes Juice? We have, and they're amazing. Perfect for boosting immunity and feeling great. Good Vibes Juice makes all-natural wellness shots with ingredients that support your immune system. And they honestly taste good. Plus, they're great to have before you feel sick or even to help you recover faster. It's like having Granny's homemade remedy, but conveniently pre-made. They have three different shots to choose from, Sick Day, Get Well, and Turmeric Daily. The Sick Day shot has echinacea and ginger, known for fighting up colds and boosting immunity. The Get Well shots feature elderberry, a superfood ingredient that helps increase immunity, and the Turmeric Daily has turmeric and chamomile. 
My personal favorite is the turmeric daily. It has turmeric and chamomile, which for me, having recently turned 40, is great for anti-inflammatory and calming properties. What's great is that these shots are all natural with no preservatives or additives. You can take them as a shot or mix them with hot water for a soothing tea. And here's the best part. Visit good vibes with an S juice.com and use promo code TLC to get free shipping and 20% off your first order. That's www.goodvibesjuice.com with promo code TLC. Let's boost our immunity and feel great with good vibes juice. So there's a couple things. Okay. So on an unconscious or subconscious, it's basically a subconscious level, but we're not conscious of it. Right. So we are like, when you go out and you're like, God, this person's so familiar. This is so cool. Maybe they're my soulmate. I it's because it's familiar to how, you know, your experiences. Okay. You've had these experiences. The other, you know, bigger issue that I see is that most people believe there's a cure outside of them because as a kid, you were trained like your conditioning, right? This is part of your conditioning. So you, you believe that there's somebody who's going to give you something that you lack in yourself. And yet you don't know this on a conscious level. And the people that go relationship to relationship to relationship, they also don't realize, and this is the hard part for people. We create these situations. It's mm -hmm. not blaming that other person. Let's say you're the anxious one who's holding on to somebody who's avoidant because it's usually that's the match. Okay. Or somebody who's anxious, both anxious, avoidant, is usually dealing with somebody who's more avoidant. And so the problem is that we don't see how we contribute to the situation. We don't see our own actions. We don't see our own words. Instead, what we see is ourselves through like a critical eye. Oh my God, I must not be good enough. Let mm -hmm. me try harder. Let me do more. Let me, but we're not really re realistically seeing how we come across at all. I feel like I wasn't going to talk about this later, but it kind of rolls into this conversation. Um, you mentioned the cycle of narcissistic damage, and this sounds very similar. Um, just with like to bring it home, like I I dated a narcissist years ago. Not me, not me. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's not Ryan. Um at least not, not diagnosed yet. And it was and yeah, we uh we have quite not quite a few, but a handful of friends who are also in trying to leave or in a space where they are also with a narcissist and they are realizing this and want to kind of get out of that space. So like, can you talk me through, because my relationship with this narcissist was very short, but it felt like forever. And it was very hard not to carry on that uh, emotion and that like attachment to this. And then, uh, I, like you, I dated you right after <laughs> Well, I'm yeah. really, I'm outing this because if anyone knows me, they know exactly who I'm talking about. But like, can you talk about breaking that cycle of like, not just always seeing that narcissistic behavior and maybe it's not there, but it's maybe innately there. Does that make sense? You know, one of the ways that I, I feel most people who have insecure attachment, I don't want to say ignore, but so there's a whole area of your emotions that usually you're not touching on. So what I mean by that is most of us stay in a rea reactionary place. Okay. So you meet somebody, you have a reaction to them and then you have an intensity because there's always an intensity in these relationships. And we get hooked into the intensity because we are not used to going to our deeper um, emotions that are related to our own motivation. Like we don't even know what our motivation is. Like when you get into a situation like that, 
you don't know your motivation. You're stuck probably in some kind of fantasy, some kind of like, oh my God, this is exciting. And you know, you're swept up in it, that intensity. And the reality is a healthy relationship doesn't have intensity. I don't have intensity in mine. I've never met anybody who has intensity, meaning there's always this like drama going on, right? Mm. And that happens when you're not used to actually feeling your feelings, when you're not used to being in your body, feeling your feelings, because your body, your, your feelings don't live in your head. They live in your body. Right. I feel like that's so interesting. When you said like there is an intensity in relationship, I find oftentimes people will mistake intensity for passion and like passion is like, we talked about this too. Like, Oh, I was really passionate with like an ex, but like the ups and downs were so severe and you just attribute that to passion or intensity. And it, it's not really that. Right. That's intensity so is unhealthy. It's not, it's basically telling you you're going to lose something. Like I call attachment sex, like, okay, that's abandonment sex because, you know, people feel like it's a drug almost mm. because you're so drawn into that intensity. But the problem is it's all based on those highs and lows because right. the minute when you're in that, let's say you're narcissist because, you know, whether they're diagnosed or not diagnosed, they turn around and all of a sudden they're like, you're the love of my life. And they start mm. acting like a normal human being. You'd be like, oh, wait, there's something missing here. What's missing yeah. here? This doesn't feel right anymore. Yeah. And it really, you know, it's really based on these feelings of these highs and lows. I mean, we all watch a lot of movies growing up, right? Isn't that like what love is in the movies? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's passion. And I find narcissism goes very closely with like it, like gaslighting as well because it's often questioned mm -hmm. like the narcissist will turn it around on you and like you said like you're you're my favorite person like I love you so much and then you start questioning like did I overreact to what happened last time and it's a mind fuck pardon my French well, tra Tracy, <laughs> narcissistic behavior by definition is uncontrollable correct the person who's a narcissist doesn't necessarily know how to control those call them emotions and outbursts is that accurate you know as long as some, okay, first of all, you know, there's a very small percentage of our population that's actually NPD where they're narcissistic personality disorder. Um, I think it's like 0.05%. Mm -hmm. So all of us are narcissists. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because yeah, I otherwise love, I love be me dead. some me, right? You love what? I love me some me. Yeah. We have to, <laughs> right? I, ha I have to well, love me enough to take care dead. of myself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yes. And so, you know, it's a word, it's kind of like you're here in the middle. And so you're talking the extremes, right? There's the extremes and you have a vulnerable narcissist or you have a grandiose narcissist. And the point is that this is somebody who I would say had severe attachment issues as a child. Mm. And so for them to become aware, as long as they're not, let's say NPD, they could become aware, but it's not because someone's telling them you're a narcissist. Nobody ever learns anything right. by being told you're this or that. They would discover it if they were even a teeny bit open, meaning teeny bit aware that, oh my God, I have those reactions. Oh my God, I do those things. Huh, I wonder if I'm doing that. Yeah. You know, and they had a curiosity about themselves and they wanted to do something about it. Um, as long again as they're not pathological, yeah. totally possible. It, it reminds me of the, is it me? Am I the drama? That's a TikTok sound. Okay. <laughs> I just find, uh, I, I just find when it comes to that, like there's got to be this break even point because on one side you look at it and you say, okay, well, I'm, I'm emotionally attached. Insecure attachment is, is occurring with this person who is 
being nice to me than mean to me, the nice to me than mean to me. And then on the other side, there's this human being who is being nice and being mean, being nice and being mean. You kind of want to be there for them to discover for themselves their their narcissistic behavior if they're not on the on the why? other side. That's what that was my next question for you. Is what? But why? Why would yeah, you put yourself why? through that? Mm-hmm. I'll t- I'll tell you personally why I did. Yeah, I feel like for me, it was so important for me to make them understand that it wasn't me; it's them. You like I. I it was so mm-hmm. toxic, but I was like, you, like, I need you to understand that this is your doing, not mine. And so I kind of like stayed because it was like almost I was proving this point to who? Myself, to him. Like it wasn't. But it you was, were staying miserable it, the entire time, which is why I was going to ask the question, but you answered it. Right. Well, and I was going to say the other part of it is, and this is in my book, because to be honest, okay, so my book, the title before my publisher changed it was called deal with it. We're all fucked up eight ways to happiness, no matter what the fuck is going on. Okay. And yeah. Isn't that a great title? It's a great title. I love it. Let's talk to your publicist. (laughs) I'm kidding. I know. No, it was, it was the, it was the publisher. The publisher's like, well, you talk a lot about insecure attachment and I'm like, oh shit, because there's so much more in there. So one of the other things is a drama triangle. We like to victimize ourselves by I'm going to be the victim and I'm going to be the rescuer, especially in these kind of situations. Mm-hmm. So I'm helpless here. It's you. That's the problem, right? But I want you to rescue me and stop being the persecutor who's the bully, right? Mm-hmm. In all of our movies, by the way, have this drama triangle going. You got the villain, you got the chicken distress. And then you have the knight in shining armor, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really the whole triad. And that's what our relational dynamics usually are. So when you get into a situation where you have somebody who's avoidant or narcissist and, you know, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I put up with this shit. And, you know, but, oh, he or she's so great, blah, blah, blah. But then they're an asshole, right? So you're just a victim because Mm -hmm. you are feeling powerless. And I've been there. So I'm like, hi, I wore that crown too. You know, and in our society, we kind of perpetuate that. Like, it's okay. You're the innocent one and you're with an asshole. But the bottom line is you're making a choice to be there. And when you make a choice, you know, getting back to the why, the thing that drives you is not conscious until you become aware of it. Mm. You know, it's our shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not love. It's not coming from love. These are fear-based relationships. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I find that those things aren't really easily seen until you've taken a step back and you're not just like in the fog. I think this is a really good transition because Tracy, you talk a lot about, um, uh, what's that, what's that syndrome called? Um, imposter, imposter syndrome. And we often hear imposter syndrome when it comes to like creating audacious goals and like starting a podcast or, or starting a blog or starting a, a new business. We hear that all the time. I feel like I've got this imposter syndrome, but I see it playing out really effectively or ineffectively in relationships when it comes to being happy. Can we talk about, can we talk about imposter syndrome specifically as it applies to relationships? Sure. Um, you know, a lot of people avoidance, and this goes back to insecure attachment too, by the way, because a lot of times if you're more avoidant, what happens is you can't handle somebody getting close enough to you because they're going to find out the real you. And you, number one, don't even know really who that is. But secondly, you feel like you're going to scare the shit out of someone and they're going to be like, okay, I'm out of here. What am I doing here? Right. And so there's that fear of abandonment all tied into the whole imposter syndrome because you created this caricature 
of who you think is cool or who you think oh. is going to, you know, be a great partner. But when reality hits, like someone starts to get closer to you, it can feel super uncomfortable is if you're an avoidant, if you're more anxious, you're going to be very anxious and you're going to keep performing. You're going to keep doing things like people pleasing and all sorts of behaviors to keep showing, okay, I'm worth it. You know, so mm. you don't really find out that I'm this fake or I'm this phony. Mm. I, I like that perspective because we had, we talked about this before we um, jumped on here and I was like, I was wondering about it and I actually associated it more to, um, like that feeling of like the imposter, the imposter syndrome when you are like being so successful, right? You're like, wow, like this is amazing. Like I'm so successful, but like, do I deserve that? So in a relationship, it's like, wow, I'm so happy. This is amazing. But when's the ball going to drop? Like this can't be real because I'm X, Y, and Z. And I just like how you broke that down because it is the avoidant and the anxious person. Like those are those constant conversations. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah. It's really, you know, it's interesting. Human beings are not really aware of themselves. We're more aware of other people and what they do. And so in that situation also, we are so tuned in to other people and how they might react to us that we are constantly strategizing. And that has nothing to do with love. Instead of just being yourself, you find that almost impossible because you don't feel like there's any worth or value in just being you. And that comes from, again, childhood. Hi, childhood. Childhood. So so if you're if you're a listener here and you're recognizing, because I I've we've all done this, right? We all have relationships in our lives, doesn't matter what the relationship is, where we feel like, okay, when is the shoe going to drop? And instead of allowing the shoe to drop, we sabotage it by burning the thing down. If you're listening to this podcast and you're and you're on this and you're experiencing that you're somewhat self-destructive, what what steps can somebody take to just, you know, stop, recognize what's going on and then like discover what's actually happening behind it? Cuz I would I'm going to guess that the majority of the relationships people are in are not destructive. Mhm. Well, you know, most of us don't have a realistic perspective and you have to start there. Meaning mm-hmm get out of fantasy, get out of possibly someday, maybe, and stay here in the moment and go, what is really happening right now? This is super hard for people to do because they don't want to deal with the disappointment of not having the hope or the dream fulfilled because to avoid disappointment, we just start living in a future fantasy. Well, maybe he or she'll get their shit together, you know, and it's always about the other person, which is the second thing. Notice how much you focus on the other person, how your actions aren't really actions or reactions to what you think. Okay. You don't even know you think the other person is thinking or the other person is doing, and then you're proceeding to do something. So if you were to number one, be in reality, okay, this is reality. This person takes three days to call me back and it feels like shit instead of Oh, maybe someday they're going to call me every day and realize I'm the love of their life. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the fantasy. And when you do that, you're, you're not being obviously true to yourself. The second thing with paying attention to yourself, rather than focusing on the stories of the other person, it's to go, okay, first of all, is the story actually true? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. Okay. So if I don't know, maybe I can react differently to the situation. What would be a kinder thing for me to do for me? 
which is going to be really uncomfortable and not feel kind at first. It's going to feel scary because it's new. But when you do that and you start to take responsibility for your own choices and realize, oh my God, I keep perpetuating this cycle because I'm stuck in this idea or this hope or fantasy going back to number one, that this person's going to somehow fall in love with me or somehow turn into what I want them to be. Because it's usually about the other person turning into what you want them to be. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. I'm just, I'm starting to realize the clusterfuck that, that exists here. Because if you have this imposter syndrome, then your self-worth is minimal. And if your self-worth mm-hmm. is minimal, then the insecure attachment really kicks in. Mm-hmm. And if you're dealing with someone who has narcissistic behavior layered on top of that, you really don't stand a chance <laughs> until you discover that you're actually, that you actually matter. Right. Yeah. And to discover that you have, you actually matter. So like, you know, going back to my book for a second, that was one of the reasons I wrote the book because most, you know, you can read a bunch of self-help books and go, God, that's me. Or like, we can talk about this, but then it's, well, what do I do with it? Right. How do I change that? And that was big. Like that is a how-to guide on how to change these things because, you know, it was like I, the TikTok video that, you know, was sent to me that I was talking about where this lack of responsibility for yourself is so key to not being empowered. Mm -hmm. Like when you start to take responsibility for yourself, you become more empowered. You're actually loving yourself because what happens is you develop boundaries Mm -hmm. and your boundaries are based on how do you treat you? If I treat myself like an asshole, I guarantee you the other person's going to treat me like an asshole. It's not, I'm going to control you by telling you my rules because that doesn't work. It's how you treat yourself. If you say, okay, respect matters to me. I'm going to respect myself treat yourself with respect. Mm -hmm. Do not be in situations that are disrespectful. Remove yourself from the situation or the conversation. Don't be a dick about it. Be compassionate about it. Because when you do that, that takes a lot of strength. And that again, builds the muscle of loving yourself. Like these are the things about loving yourself, not the manicures and the pedicures and going to the gym. That's great. But the inner, you know, the inner work where you change that, you change your whole perspective and you're going to be happy no matter what the hell is going on in your life. That's really good. Um, can we just move to, uh, I read something too. You talk about breadcrumbing. Can you like elaborate on that? Because I, I would just love to hear what that means. I hear breadcrumbs. I think of Hansel and Gretel yes. immediately. <laughs> like how do I find my way back? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. Right. I forgot about that. Um, so basically breadcrumbing, it's a couple of things. One is let's say you go on a date and this goes back, you know, to insecure attachment. So you go on a date and you go, oh my God, this person, right? You've had this great first date. They're like, oh, great first date. You're both like great first date. And so then maybe you hear from them again and it's a day later. And then you hear from them again, maybe it's three days later. So what happens is they start to lengthen the amount of time that they're connecting with you because it seems like they're going away and maybe they do go away and then they come back. Mm. And what they do is they've given you enough breadcrumbs to keep you holding on. It's like, you can't make a whole piece of bread and it ain't going to be a whole loaf, but it's just enough when you have, you know, this lack of love for yourself, when you have this lack inside from being insecurely attached from all the things we've talked about, you might build that up. Like I went through all this crap. Like I have walked in these shoes and I mean, I remember, you know, this person I dated at one point where he would give me just enough 
And I remember having to have conversations with myself. Mm -hmm. Well, Tracy, he does contact you and you do have three hour long conversations and, Mm -hmm. you know, and he says all these really deep emotional things, but they're not deep emotional about you and him. They're just like this deep, like I'm his therapist. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I was doing something to get closer to him, but I never really did get closer. All I did was make myself more anxious and feel like shit until I woke up one day. Yeah. I find that this is, it's, this is an interesting concept because I, I feel like it's hard to determine like whether we are being shaped by, like you said, movies, social media, like you don't want to come across too eager. So maybe you've, this person who you're dating is texting you like three days later because in their brain, they're creating a story. Like, I don't want to come across too eager. They like, I don't want to be that available because it's not attractive. Right. So now you're like, oh my God, but there are two separate conversations happening and you're both filling in the blanks. Potentially happening. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like there's so much unknown that you are writing the narrative for them. Okay. So let me ask you something. When you guys started dating, were you consistent? Well, uh, we're, we uh, have an inch, we've been neighbors for like 30 years. So we have a whole history. We've always respected the communication between yeah. each other. I would, I never ghosted you and vice versa. Correct. Right. Okay. So I just wanted to ask because what I find is people that are securely attached do not even do any of this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Okay? The game, the game. They don't play yeah, the game. They don't I play the game who are dating that are playing the game. And I'm like, do people still do that? Like, I feel like we're at a point where I'm like, really? Just tell them what you want. Exactly. And ask the questions. Like people freak out. Like, what if I, you know, I say, why don't you ask them? Like when you're dating, what is your goal? Is your goal to just keep dating or is your goal to get in a relationship? Not because you're needy and you're like, please be with me. You want to know, like, are we on the same page? Yeah. Yeah. I I like that. We're kind of debunking that, um, that, kind of feeling of like it just because I'm asking doesn't mean that like I need to have you I just want to make sure that I'm not wasting my time you're not wasting your time and we're on the same page and it's it's that kind of fear of rejection that I think people have to get over because it's not rejection it's just we are in a different space like you and I are in a different I mean I, I don't never- even know I don't even know necessarily if it's a waste of time I, I personally don't like the word waste of time because I don't think people waste people's times but I do I do believe in intentionality and having intentionality and if what my intentions are and your intentions don't align well then we need to, we should go in our different directions but I'm not saying that they're I, I mean I stand by waste of time because if somebody is out here and you they're stand I stand by it if someone's out here and they just want to have the sexy times with somebody well, else right and like okay. my intention if, is more than that, right? So if you just want this and you are so determined, like say this person just got out of a relationship and they're like, no, I, I'm not going to commit to anyone right now. Then I will be like, okay, thank you for saying that to me. But right now I'm looking for something more. So I'm not going to waste my time and hurt myself. Because what happens if I form an attachment to somebody who I know isn't emotionally available for me? So it, it would be a waste of my time and it would not be beneficial for me. Like it wouldn't serve me. Do you know what it, I mean? It, well... Maybe. Kind of, but I mean, no, I know what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but it depends how you look at it. And I'll just add one other thing about that. And that is most of us, when we're dating, we make it about this has to work or I'm disappointed, Mm -hmm. right? Like wasting my time. Oh shit. So when I decided that I actually wanted to have a serious relationship, one of the things that I did was I decided to become curious and not make every date about, is this going to be a guy I keep dating or is this not going to be a guy I keep dating? Because I realized that I had a really fucked up mentality around it 
Cause I had these rules that I had to get rid of, you know, it was like this ridiculous, like nobody's going to be able to ever do that. So that was one of the big things that I did was I said, okay, when I go on this date, I'm going to be curious about what I'm going to learn. Okay. Am I going to learn about myself? Cause I'm actually going to pay attention to some of the things I say and some of the things I do to see how authentic I really am mm-hmm. or am I full of shit? And I could, and I'd catch myself, you know, out with somebody where I wasn't really connecting and I'd be trying to get a second date. I'm like, what are, what are you doing? You know, you just want that validation. Right. And so I would try to go, what is the authentic thing to say or do? And meanwhile, paying attention to the other person, what can I learn about them? That might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, this dude has a, a, you know, grapevines in his backyard. He makes his own wine. Tell me about that. That's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And then I go home and I wouldn't be like, oh shit, is this going to, where's this going to go? What's going to happen? Because I felt like I was learning all the time rather than going, ah, oh, shit, I'm wasting my time. And I go home because I used to, I'd go home and I'd be disappointed and I'd be pissed off and all the other crap where you're like, I could have just stayed home and eaten a gallon of ice cream, you know? Also fun times doing that because who doesn't like ice cream? <laughs> I think, um, I, I totally understand that. And I, I get that. I think it was more not maybe saying each date is like, if we don't do this, like set up your expectations for failure. I meant like, say you've experienced all these amazing things with somebody and then they're like, you know what, this isn't what I want. And then I, I would say, maybe this doesn't serve my time. Maybe waste is. Yeah. And I think, I think the important takeaway from this is if you are going on dates, asking the question is the important aspect, Mm -hmm. because if you don't ask the question, then that brings in the breadcrumbs, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And a lot of people are so afraid, like, you know, what we were saying before, like they don't want to ask the questions because they're afraid they might not be in the game or, you know, they're going to come across as needy and they don't, you know, they feel like they lose control of the situation mm-hmm. if you start changing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause if I do the same thing all the time, I think I have control of the situation. I know how things are going to go because of how I'm acting, but I don't really think that's what it is. By the way, we're not usually consciously aware of that. So it's really about, yeah, okay. I'm going to be open, but I know what I want. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm looking for. What are you looking for? cool on the same page cool we're not on the same page hey i had a really great time see you later bye-bye perfect it 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 served its purpose for that time like you got you learned something about somebody you met someone whatever it is um Mm -hmm. tracy can you do us a favor you have a course right a 21 day course can you tell us a little bit about that and, and who it would might apply to um so people can learn more um So what I have actually, that was for January, we have a February course. That's a 14 day course. Yeah. Um, And, you know, this is basically about not having like another shitty Valentine's day. It's about how to move from loneliness and disconnection because a lot of us, it's the thing we don't want to admit a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get in a state of loneliness and disconnection because we have certain expectations about things. And so this is really working on how to, I don't want to, I, I hate saying the words, oh, love yourself because it's just such a blanket statement, mm-hmm. but you really learn tools and you learn what your true motivation is. Cause when you get to what your real motivation is for things, and then you go, okay, is that really the motivation that I want to live my life from? And you can make changes at that deep level. Then you set yourself free from a lot of the paradigms that we have for dysfunctional relationships. Amazing. And can they access this by your website, your socials? Can you link everything just verbally for us? We'll put it in the description as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's on my website and it's also on social. So I will, yeah, supply that. It's Tracy L. Crossley, right? That's your Instagram and TikTok. That is my Instagram. I think it is my TikTok. Um, I I get confused. (laughs) 
we'll 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 yeah, link we'll it link for it. sure. Yeah, we'll link, link it for it. sure. One last question for you, Tracy, because I know you got something very somewhere very mm-hmm. important to be right now. We don't want to take any more of your time. So this is the laughing couple. This is not the divorce couple. So let me ask you one real quick question. You find yourself in a relationship that's not serving you and the person on the other end is is either doing the breadcrumby thing or doing the hot and cold Katy Perry song. How long do you, and I know it's case by case, but how long do you go and where do you start? Like, I, I just, I don't want people to think, hey, my husband is being a, a jerk to me. I'm going to leave him now because it doesn't serve me. Like there's got to be some work when you're in a in a, in a legit long-term uh, partnership. It's never about the other person. I'm just going to start with that. So when you leave, it's not to leave just because you, you know, like you're like, oh, he's this or that, because you're not going to solve your problem. You're just going to go and create your problem somewhere else. And so what you want to be able to do is go, I want to become a great partner. And that means that it's about me doing the inner work. If I do the inner work, meaning I get to know how I contribute to how I don't like his behavior. I get to know how I show up. And it's great not to leave the relationship either, because what happens is if you can figure that out, you know, by going, okay, this is the things I'm doing and you change and you go through your own emotional shit, what ends up happening is you may even change the whole relationship or you get to a point you're like, Hey, I love this person, but this isn't really working for me. And you can peacefully leave. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be drama. It doesn't have to be crazy. And I'm never a proponent of telling people to leave. Like when people come work with us, I'm like, yeah, no, don't leave yet because that becomes a burden and a pressure. And then you feel like, Oh, I got to do this or I'm an idiot. Or I, you know, I'm not taking care of myself, but you really have to look at why you choose what you do. And that takes time. Nobody knows overnight why. Right. I like that. Perfect. I like that. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for sitting down. This was very insightful. We always have like conversations after, and I feel like this is going to be a podcast where we're going to still talk. So that's a good thing. I love that. Thank you. Tracy, go be where you need to be. (laughs) (laughs) You got some important things to do. And I, and I really do truly appreciate the time you gave us today. Thank you so much. Cheers. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Beerley and I'm Jennifer Chaikin and we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the cycle babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.